Welcome, everyone, to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now, here's the show. Welcome to a special reef keeping edition of the Talking Reef Podcast, the weekly talk show that brings you topics and discussions on marine and reef aquariums. I'm your host, Rob Weatherly. Every week I bring you a topic on marine fish or reef keeping, and once a month I bring you an interview with a columnist from Reef Keeping Magazine, found at reefkeeping.com. This month I'd like to introduce again Brian Plankis, longtime uh, guest on the Talking Reef podcast, has been here multiple times before on various different topics, and this one is kind of uh, one of the biggest ones that he's been uh, on the show for. This is where he's going to talk about an article that he wrote in Reefkeeping Magazine uh, announcing and describing formally uh, a very large project that he's been working on or he's been starting up and is just getting rolling. Uh, the project is called Project Dibs. Uh, if you are a member of the Talking Reforms, I'm sure you're aware of Project Dibs already uh, as, it's, as we've been involved with them for a little while now. Uh, but uh, enough about that. Uh, let's get right into the interview with Brian. Brian, welcome back to the Talking Reef Podcast. Well, Rob, thanks for having me back. I've been uh, looking forward to doing this podcast for uh, quite some time. <laughs> yeah, I know we've been we've been talking about it for a while. It's uh, it's good to finally get the chance to to do this and and get everybody introduced to this topic here. And the topic that we're going to be talking about, as I noted, is Project Dibs. So, Brian, if you could start off by giving me a brief description of what Project Dibs is all about. Yeah, we, I can do that. Um, and just to clarify, uh, DIB stands for uh, Desirable Invertebrates Breeding Society. And we're all about uh, breeding marine invertebrates. Uh, it, it's a fairly hot topic now these days, and, and definitely more of it needs to be done. And, and we're trying to work together as a community to figure out ways to do that. And, and there's basically three main focuses of the community. Uh, you have collaboration, which is basically working together as a community and trying to generate new knowledge. And, and then you've got education where we can take this new knowledge and also existing knowledge and get it out to new people. That's one of the reasons you know, I wanted to do this podcast is we can get some of this information out there and, and try to help people understand why something like this is important. And then, and then the last thing is uh, distribution which is actually spreading these uh, invertebrates that we are breeding to other people so that we can increase the availability of, of captive-raised livestock. Gotcha. Now, a- as you go forward with this project, what are the plans that are in place, and how are you going to accomplish these goals? I mean, you just outlined it a couple things. What, what are the plans to actually get this stuff accomplished? Um, well, we have many plans, um, and... My role in the project is, is basically a uh, community facilitator. And, and my job is to look at the project as it's, as it's growing and figure out what the project needs. And, and um, you know, if we're, if we're trying to look at the collaboration goal where we're trying to figure out how to breathe a new species, I'm going to try to uh, do some literature search or do, do a Google search, and, and which may not be the best way to go about it, but um, try to find some information on a particular invertebrate that we're interested in looking at breeding. And if we can, try to identify some experts, either people that have already bred that invertebrate or have researched it and see if they're willing to kind of give us a few tips. And, and, you know, if the ideal situation would be that they actually join the community itself. Another way we're going to try to accomplish some of our goals is to work on education, uh, getting the word out that the hobby really needs to look at some things that are, are kind of wasteful or inefficient and get the word out to more people. And one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to try to coordinate with local school districts uh, wherever we have some Project Div members and uh, get some rigorous science experiments into the high schools 
and have students take a look at breeding marine invertebrates. What's it all about? Why is it important? And why are we even doing it? And, and one of the reasons we need to look at breeding marine invertebrates is that the, the coral reefs in the wild are, are declining. And, and one of the pressures on the reefs is wild collection. And, and if we can breed more invertebrates in captivity, that's less we have to take out of the wild. Right. Now, obviously, this isn't a, you know, save the, the natural reefs overnight type things, but uh, it's one of the many goals is to, to reduce the stress on the on wild collections, correct? Yes. No, no. We're, Project Dibs is not the solution to wild collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel that in the future, Project Dibs can be part of the solution. Right. And, and how big a part, well, that remains to be seen. Um, but I, I think we're off to a good start, and, and as we as we grow, we can have a, a larger impact. And um, you know, the the reef keeping article that I wrote uh, goes into trying to answer a lot of these questions and, and a lot of how the, the project is structured. Uh, and one thing, but one thing I want to be um, clear about is that um, in the reef keeping article, I, I put a question in there it says, is, is education or sales more important and it's, it's actually it's kind of a trick question because actually what's really important is the community the the community that we're building on project is is what's going to uh, allow it to be a strong project right. uh, education is good sales are good but they're only there to support the community which is right. most important and to keep the project going all together yeah uh, you know that brings up a good point uh, regarding you know the importance of uh, of the different components and and obviously uh, if it isn't obvious to everybody that this this is not a retail endeavor uh, that you're working on here uh, what can people expect uh, from the invertebrate availability if you know so if there's somebody that wants to get involved they listen to this and they say oh that's great I want to jump in uh, what can these people expect as far as availability of various species yes yeah, so, uh, that's an excellent point Rob. Uh, because while we do have retail sales, um, it's not our primary goal. And what we're really looking at is growing the community and growing the network of breeders so that we can, we can work on increasing the, the, the amount that's available. Uh, but right now, you know, we're, we're still a, a limited network, and so we're going to have spurts of availability. We're going we're gonna to have what I call breeder network distributions, where I work with all the breeders to see what they have available, and then we get it in stock, and that's when we supply supply the next round of breeders. And, and once that stock runs out, then we have to wait until uh, we have more stock. And because we're we're not, you know, I, I need to stress that we're not importing any anything animals from <laughs> yeah. the wild. We're we're everything is kept. Everything that we that we. Uh, sale. It's it's uh, all captive sorry. bred stuff that's coming from other yeah. hobbyists, and none of this stuff is is being imported from anywhere other than other hobbyists' tanks. Yes, uh, that's exactly right. And, and we would, you know, right now availability is limited to just people that want to be breeders. And you know, I would love to supply everyone that contacts me about invertebrates. And I get you know a decent amount of people that contact me and, and say I, I you know I want to hire right. sales, and, and you know that's that's another thing that we should point out is since we're not doing a retail endeavor, I'm actually going to want to uh, talk to people about what's your setup, what's your tank like, what kind of stock do you already have in your tank, because there you know there's some things to we'll we'll talk about that and when we talk about the breeder role a little bit. But you know there are some predators of some of these <laughs> of some of these invertebrates. So you know if you've got four cleaner shrimp in your tank and you want to breed Silmatella varia, which is a great snail, but cleaner ship cleaner shrimp like yeah. to eat them. So it <laughs> might not right. be the best fit. And so what people need to expect is that they'll contact us and say, "I'm interested in these invertebrates," and then one of the project Div staff members will get back to them and say, "Okay, you know that's." That's good, but what's in your tank? And, and I have a breeder registration process, which hopefully 
simplifies everything so it's not a hassle, but we need to understand that we're going to be kind of tailoring what their tank is capable of doing to maximize what they to maximize what they can produce. Okay, so let me just kind of recap a little bit here. So uh, if I'm somebody that's interested, first of all, the, the first thing that I need to understand is I'm not going to be coming to Project Dibs and ordering whatever I want and expecting it to come in in a couple days. There's going to be limited availability, and somebody that's interested in getting into this, it's more than just a place to buy snails. Yes, you know, you can buy snails, you yeah. can buy other invertebrates, but um, it's not immediately available. The whole point is to participate in this this project, this community, and you know, generally, you know, make an improvement for for all of it. Uh, and that being said, it's it's more of a you know, and 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 I understand because I've been through this process with you, um, going through getting an understanding of what's in the tank, and uh, and I you know one of the things that I personally found from it, and you know, and I you know, and this is kind of my commentary here, and I I really believe in 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 Project Dibs and everything that's doing, but one of the the greatest things that I've gotten out of it is just simply uh, the education. Uh, that I've gotten just from preparing to stock my tank. You know, the, the conversations that we've had about, oh, yeah, okay, you can do this one, um, but you have those in your tank, and that's not really a good match. So you need to get rid of those or make these sort of adjustments and stuff like that. And it's it's been a, a real good educational pro- process just for me as someone who wants to participate in a, in a breeder, and as a breeder, and I haven't even gotten anything, you know, really going yet. So... Um, there's a, lo- yeah. a lot of great stuff in here. So I, I think it's important that people kind of get a hold on exactly what the plan is and what to expect out of it. Uh, yeah, I, I hope so too. Cause I mean, I, I think that's one of the, one of the, the valuable things that we're trying to provide is that we're, we're trying to get people more familiar with what's in their tank and w- what can they add. And, and in, in the long run, it, it, it can help them as a hobbyist yes. as well. Um, and also help out Project Dibs because then we get more educated people as breeders, and, and that can only be a. Oh, I totally agree. One of the things that I've found is I'm now more aware of the invertebrates in my tank, looking at them, trying to find you know discernible features to help identify them, and uh, you know it's just then you're wondering, okay, now that I have it, do I notice an increase in the population? Is it something that's breeding? Is it something that I can contribute back to the project? And we'll get into that more later, but, uh, it's, uh, it's very exciting. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really, I mean, that actually happens quite a bit as I'll, I'll get someone, you know, who's kind of heard about the project and they'll be like, okay, I'll want, I want to try this breeder thing. And then all of a sudden they've got thirty or forty posts on the on the boards because they're just so excited about it. I had no idea that yep. this was possible even in a tank. And and, and uh, we'll we'll talk about the, more about that later. But uh, it's just you know I've done other podcasts with you, Rob, <laughs> and I, I think all those other podcasts were good, and I, I enjoyed doing them. But this one's just so exciting because the the possibilities of of transformation and and, and you know I'm not saying it's like you know. A huge thing, but it, it's a very well, interesting all the other thing. shows have and, and been building up to this project, so you know all the other yeah. topics have been very related and and so on and so forth. But with that said, let's let's kind of move on real quick to a related topic. And uh, for the people that that do want to participate uh, in the project within you know with Project Dibs, what types of roles you know we've already mentioned the being an actual breeder, but what other roles uh, are there that you're looking to fill? Well, um, that's a good question, and, and there's there's really uh, three main roles in the project uh, beside mine, and um, one of those is actually a role that I call data miners, and and data miners are basically the ears and the eyes of Project Dibs because I'm only one person. I can't possibly examine all of these websites that are out there and, and um you know, there's there's a decent amount of invertebrate information out there already. You know, plenty of articles from Reef Keeping and other other magazines, both in print and online. But what is more limited is information on breeding right. invertebrates. And so, data miners are people that are generally people that surf around a lot, and they they are on multiple boards, 
And all they're doing is when they're on those boards, they're looking around, and all of a sudden they see somebody that says, hey, you know, I put 10 snails in my tank a year ago, and now it looks like I got a couple hundred of them. What's going on here? And that's someone that's got something breeding in their tank. And we want to know about that because, uh, you know, we'll talk about species here in a minute, but there's a lot of things that, you know, despite the very rough trip to the ocean, there's a lot of hitchhikers that actually survive the process and are capable of breeding in our tanks. And, we, and the, the data miners are going to be the people that find that and report it to the process. Right, stuff that you didn't even know that you had to begin so, with. Uh, you know, like I said just a couple minutes ago, this stuff that you, you just start finding this stuff all over the place. And uh, a lot of it's just from your live rock. You didn't buy it. You didn't put it in there. And all of a sudden, you've got, you know, a breeding population of something. You know, it's it's exciting. Yeah. And it's, you know, and of course, we're only looking for the right. desirable ones. And and there's, they, there's a lot of them that provide a, a very good service as part of a cleanup yep. crew or, or or keeping algae down. And, and it, it's valuable to get those. And, and that's where, you know, the data miners, they're going to find them. And then the next step is the breeders. And the breeder network is very, is very important to Project Dibs. And that's people that are willing to, uh, you know, commit to the community and, and they're, they're going to um, have invertebrates in their tank that are breeding. And then once they have a, a stable population, we can get some of those invertebrates and spread them to other breeders. And that's how we get to um, have a large supply of these things where eventually we can look at having a regular supply either to a, like a local fish store or a wholesaler or something like that. And that but that, you know, that's right. far down the road, but it, it's one of the goals to keep in mind and breeders are going to be the way we're going to do that. And, uh, and then at, you know, the next logical step after that are, are what I call educators. And, uh, those are going to be people that are involved in the project, and, and there's really kind of two two roles for educators. One is is that they're going to be looking at this vast amount of data that is being collected, and, and we already have some very good data miners. You know, we need more, but we're getting these fabulous articles from the literature and and various things that are available from different governments, uh, you know, as free resources and. and we're, we're getting all this information. Well, we need educators to kind of look at that information and see how we can kind of put that information together and yeah, put it together, condense it, and make it into something that that is understandable for a, a an, an average hobbyist that's interested in trying to to do some things. Like you know, hey, I want to you know, we get people. We've had a couple of people ask, I want to breed trochus snails. How do I do that? There's a lot of information on trochus already, and if we can get that in a concise article or document, that's going to be able to help people out. So, because one of the things we're trying to do with the project is, is to get information put in concise documents, so that you know you don't have a hundred people all surfing the web trying to get that same right. information. It's it's a waste of a lot of people's time. Whereas if you have a concise document then all that time can be spent on more. Right. So essentially what you've got are these, you've got these data miners collecting the data uh, and then the educators, one of their roles is to actually look in, look at this information and extrapolate out the information that's useful to the breeders and the other people that are involved in the project. Is that accurate? Yes, that's accurate. And then the, the second role for educators is actually classroom teachers. Uh, because we're, uh, we're we're just starting. Uh, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this. We just got final approval to start our first science experiment in the classroom uh, here in here in Texas, and we're going to be working with a classroom teacher trying to to get a rigorous science experiment for his students. Yet it's also going to generate new knowledge on on some of the invertebrates that are in the project that just you know, has not done, has not been done in a rigorous experiment. So the students get a good science experiment, and Project Dibs is going to benefit from that science experiment. And, uh, of course, you know, we'll be doing that podcast with you later with the students, which should be really Yeah, good. and you know, and that's something I, I just want to, I want to touch on a little bit more, because uh, we, we've done the the educator podcast, and we've actually done a good couple shows 
that had a, a basis within you know education in general. And one of the things that was so exciting about this is that you're actually going in doing scientific, real scientific experiments with the students where the results are not in a textbook that they can look up and they're not going to know the results until they actually do this and collect and analyze the data. And it's, it's real, real science. It's not textbook science. And I, I just, that's just great. I, I think that's very, very exciting. Yeah. I, that, I'm, I'm so excited about this and, and, you know, it, it makes the, the approval process to get into the school very complicated because they're like, well, what are the results? <laughs> And I'm like, we don't know the results. We we have we have an idea, but the idea is for the students to right. figure out the results. And, and you know, that makes the process uh, difficult getting in. But once once you're in, and I mean, uh, I'm, I'm going to present to the students in just a couple of days, and, and the teacher told them about it, and they're just so excited. And, and so it should be a really interesting. Uh, and you know, later on when we do the podcast, we're actually going to have the students involved in the podcast because part of part of the whole experiment is the students need to figure out how to report their results, and so they're going to have to figure figure out what's going to be in the podcast. And so that that should be interesting to hear, see them make it, and and work together with you and Project Ibs, and and yeah. it should be. It just no, it is. I, I I'm I'm still excited for that too. Now what what. Uh age group or, or grade level or is this going into it's going to be in a high school i'm not allowed to give out exact details but it, it'll it'll be it'll be an aquatic science awesome. classroom in a high school. no that's that's so. that's very exciting um so that's that kind of covers the data miners you brought up the breeders and a couple different types of educator roles were there any type of roles any other type of roles that we didn't cover no, those are the those are the main roles. Other than my role, is oh, you don't really count. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm I'm not that important. So, um, but we'll we'll talk about breeders a little more in depth uh, as as we start talking about the invertebrates. Right. And on that note, um, let's let's talk about that. What what are some of the invertebrates that Project Dibs is actually starting off with? Well, Rob, um, you know, we're we're starting off with. Uh, species that we've been able to put together so far. And uh, most of the species have come from the Houston area because that, that's where I'm based and that's where we kind of, you know, we've been working with the uh, Marine Aquarium and Reef Society of Houston, which is our, our local reef club. And it's a, I feel, a pretty progressive club and they've really gotten uh, behind Project Dibs and, and helped it out in, in many ways. And so we've been Working uh, on finding invertebrates in our area, we're we're probably we're, we're up into the twenty to thirty species range, um, and we have uh, you know we have some we have some echinoderms or you know brittle stars, uh, we have some gastropods uh, such as serif uh, you know serif snails are pretty common in the hobby, um, and then we also have what what we uh, a turbo snail. Which you know, I don't know about you, Rob, but you know, a year or two ago when I heard the word turbo, I thought of a a you know golf ball or tennis ball sized snail that runs around the tank, knocking everything you know, knocking over, all yeah. your over, <laughs> and, and then dies you know three to six right. months after you get it, and that's that's because those are you know those are the large cold water turbo snails. But what we decided to try to to label our snail just a little bit different by calling it a Dibs Turbo. And because it's a warm water snail, uh, it was originally a hitchhiker on Fiji live rock. And they don't get nearly as large as the, the cold water turbos. So they don't, they don't knock over the corals nearly as often. They occasionally will knock over one on a sand bed, but it, it, it's, it's pretty, you know, it, it's not even comparable right. to, to the cold water ones. And they, they stay smaller. And as an added bonus, they actually breed quite readily in in the tank, and they're um, quite easy to breed. Gotcha. And you've got more than just snails. I mean, some of the things that you mentioned, uh, uh, you you've got like brittle stars and and stuff like that too, don't you? Yeah, we we have brittle stars. Uh, we have we have a couple species of of, of uh -huh. bristle worms, um, which you know some some people don't like those, but they're actually uh, quite. You know, if you I think the they've right got a kind, bad rap. 
yeah, they've, they've got a bad rap, and, and I'm hoping that's something that we can change because they're actually quite good members of cleanup crews. You know, if any uh, food falls to your sand bed or onto the rocks that, that, that your fish or corals aren't going to eat, they're very quick yep. to grab that up and, and clean it up so you know, you're avoiding that, that rotting food in the tank. And so, but and another exciting one, which is also a worm, which it's, a, it's what's called a hair worm. Most people, you know, most people will say, oh, I've got spaghetti worms in my tank. Well, in almost all cases, those are actually right. hair worms. And they're, they're a fabulous uh, worm that will actually live in the sand bed and help clean up the sand bed. And, um, and so, yeah, we do have, we do have a variety. And, and one of the things we're looking at always doing is expanding what we have in, in, the, uh, in the project. And, and as we get more people joining, we're, we're going to find more. I mean, there's, we have some other, uh, you know, we just found a, a, and I don't know the correct pronunciation, but we just found some chitons that are uh, breeding. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's another different species altogether. And, and as we work on getting more in the project, uh, and we'll talk about easy versus difficult in just a little bit right now at, at, at this point i mean what what are some of the uh the harder invertebrates that you guys are looking at right now i mean one thing that people usually don't realize uh is that coral are actually invertebrates and that's something uh, that isn't that something that you guys are looking at at working on also yes absolutely um because you know we, we can talk about snails and brittle stars all we want i think they're fascinating creatures but not everybody's going to get interested in snails and brittle stars. Um, and, and a lot more people are, are going to be very interested in corals. And, and um, corals, there are some corals that are actually quite good at breeding and appropriate for breeding in aquariums. And, uh, you know, I do have to take just a second here, and I really have to thank uh, Eric Bornman for participating in Project Dibs because you know, as most people know, he's a yeah. I, th- I think I've heard his name and, once or twice before. <laughs> yeah, I think he wrote. I think he wrote a book, or or maybe maybe it was just an article. You know what? I think sure. he's I think but, he's well uh, known because he was on the Talking Reef podcast. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was back in. Uh, okay, quick. What episode? Yeah, <laughs> purple. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, Eric's been very generous with his time, and, and he's been looking at different corals that are good candidates for breeding environments. And um, so we're going to be looking at corals, uh, and this is where I actually get to talk about uh, what we're doing. Uh, we're doing special projects, what we call breeder challenges. And what that is is when, when we look at a breeder challenge, we're trying to find an invertebrate that is not necessarily easy to breed, but has very good potential right. for breeding. And all it really needs is several people examining it all at the same time, working together to figure out how to breed this, breed this invertebrate. And so we actually have uh, two breeder challenges coming up. We have a third one coming up in the summer, but we have two that are starting in February and March. And both and of them are core. This is really, um, I'm sorry to, and, to jump in, but I just want to stress the point that yeah. this is really where the whole concept of, of community comes into play because when you're working with the easier invertebrates, it's one thing to, to toss them in your tank and turn around in a couple months and look at all of the snails that you got. And you know, with the easy ones, there's really not a whole lot that you have to do. But with these with these um the species that are falling under these breeder challenge uh items like the the, the coral and stuff. People really have to pay attention to what's going on, do some effort, share and collaborate, um, and, and work with each other to gain knowledge from the other people and and build on other people's experiences and everything they're doing in real time. I mean, it's I think that's one of the biggest things yeah. with, with the community right there. Yes, and I mean, I, I, I don't want to discount the easy invertebrates that some of them you can just throw them in your tank, and six months later you've got some that you can give back to the project. But the, the breeder challenges are where the community is extremely important because if you have two people looking at how to breed a coral, it's, it, you know, that's good. But if you can get five people or ten people or twenty, you're going to start noticing things that are going on 
and it's going to be common, and people are going to figure out a better way to approach right. that challenge. And and that's why we're we're so excited about uh, these breeder challenges because the the first one uh, is actually a Caribbean coral. Uh, it's called uh, Manicina areolata, uh, commonly called the rose coral. And and uh, people may not be too familiar with it because it's not in the hobby very much because it's illegal to uh, collect uh, Caribbean corals other than off of aquaculture sites. But it, it's a pretty coral. It gets to be about the size of a, a good fist. And it's a brain coral. And it and comes in a variety of different colorations. And, and it's a very, it's a, it's a nice, pleasant coral to have in the tank. And it also has to, happens to be a, uh, a brooder. And, and what a, a coral is that broods is that it's able to fertilize, you know, the, the sperm fertilizes the egg, and then the coral keeps the egg inside until that egg is just about ready to turn into a larvae and settle and start, you know, go onto the surface and start growing a new coral. And, and that's very different than some other corals that release the egg as soon as it's fertilized or they'll release it into the water to get fertilized. Right, broadcast spawners and, and, and it stuff It can take like a that. long broadcast yeah. spawners. Yes, that's right, Rob. Um, those can take a long time before they're ready. And just to for everybody's knowledge, and, we, we, we did do a show on coral spawning. I can't remember the, the episode number off the top of my head, but if, if there's people interested in there, uh, we, ha- we did have an interview that was done uh, a couple, I, I think it was a month or two back, so people can reference that. Yeah, and that that was actually a great show. I listened to that one, and, and it goes into this much more in depth and, and probably much mm-hmm. clearer than what I'm doing. But um, that's where this Manicina is, is so valuable, is because it can it can brood, and you put the larvae into a into uh, a little holding container so it can settle, and then you slowly introduce it to light. And now you know this hasn't been done yet. That's why it's a breeder challenge, but. It looks like it should be something that's able to be accomplished, and that, and that's where we're. Our second breeder challenge is um, is one that's probably going to be a little bit. Let's easier, see if you can pronounce it. Uh, because, yeah, <laughs> well, except for the pronunciation, <laughs> but um, a little bit easier because uh, Manicina, like I said, has very limited collection, and so we're probably not going to be able to get a whole lot of people in on that breeder challenge. But uh, the next one is another coral, and it's a. Uh, Pocillopora, uh, many people call it Pocillopora, and really you can call it either one, it's fine. Um, but uh, Pocillopora is another brooder. It's another coral that broods, and there have been actually several reports of it already breeding in captivity, and I, I believe, Rob, you might have uh, one. I think I, think I do. <laughs> Go figure. I actually found it in my refugium about a week ago, and it's very tiny. It's got about five yeah. polyps, and I can't believe it's growing under that little light, but it's there. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that, that just illustrates, you know, uh, Eric, Eric Bornman is one of the ones in on, on the Pocillopera uh, challenge, and, and he started a few months ago because he was ready to go, and he started, and he's already got babies. So it, 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 it's going to take some effort. You know, it, it's not an easy invertebrate, but... It's, it should be workable, and that's where breeding of corals can have, if we get enough people doing it, it can actually have a, a significant impact because, you know, what's been going on in the last few years is great. You know, I, I love that fragging is going on because it, it's, there's so many benefits to, to uh, fragmented corals over ones that are collected oh, yeah. wild. You know, they're they're much better, much they're already used to the aquarium environment. They heal really fast and, and tend to grow pretty yeah. fast too. But you know, if you if you have one coral in your tank and you fragment it, you're you're not gonna be able to get, you know, you might be able if you're really good at it and you let the coral the coral grow really large before you start fragmenting it, you know, you might be looking at fifty to hundred frags a right. year. Which, which which is great. That's that's a great start. But if, if you start to breed corals, you're, you're talking a whole other level right. of magnitude where, where you can get, you know, 500, 1,000 corals a year. And, and that, may, that may sound outrageous, but it, it's possible with the amount, of, uh, the amount of eggs that corals release. And I really hope that this is something that will catch on in the hobby. And, and I know, um, 
you know, I don't know if you're familiar with C-Corps or not, Rob, but yep. that's uh, an organization that is trying to do coral breeding for all of the public aquariums. Yeah, I remember the world. Uh, when uh, and, when we talked to, to Jake Adams before he headed down, actually I think it was after he got back from um, the coral spawning research he was doing in Puerto Rico, uh, I think he was actually, they were working with C-Corps down there. Um, they kind of met up with them, and I don't think it was planned, but they ended up collaborating on some stuff down there. Uh yeah, and and C-Corps is a great organization. So, I, you know, one thing I'm I'm trying to say here is, you know, Project Nibs is not this, you know, groundbreaking. This has never been done before. Right, thing. but it's it's, <laughs> it's it's not a it's project, a project like in addition but, to some other projects that's trying to accomplish, a you know, a big overhead goal here. I mean, there's there's a, a, a there's a lot of issues yeah. that need to be addressed. Um, no, you know, as you mentioned earlier, no, no single one of these projects, it's not Project Div, it's not C-Core, it's not, none of these individually are going to deal with, with the, the, with the problems, but together, um, and especially not just from the, the results, uh, you know, Project Divs is going to, is going to produce, you know, corals, it's going to produce invertebrates. It's already doing that, you know, at a very, in a very, you know, granted very small scale today, um, but I think one, yeah, I think rapidly. one of the, yeah, oh yeah, I, I don't mean to discount what it is, but, um, you know, one of the biggest things I think that is coming out of it already, and that's going to continue coming out of it is the education and the knowledge that can go back into the community and even outside of the, the project dibs community back for every, for everywhere else where some of these larger organizations and, you know, and one of the things that's even, you know, exciting to me is, you know, it, you know, if I can get in participating and, you know, as a hobbyist, I'm working with a group of, say, 20 other hobbyists that just figured out how to get, you know, this coral to reproduce in captivity. This is something that is, you know, it, it, it's possible. It's something that's never been done. Professional scientists that work on this for a living haven't done this. And here's a group of hobbyists pulling it off. Just just the thought that that could happen is very exciting. Yes, and, and I, I think that's something that, that will happen in the future. Um, as, as far as uh, Eric and I know, uh, no one has been successful with with uh, Manistina areolata yet. It's it's uh, there's a because it, it's it's a different focus. If you, if you talk about scientists, their job is to to catalog the animals and to identify them and figure out their right. characteristics. But and in some cases they do breed them, but. Um, they're they're trying to get things identified and cataloged, and, and they're not necessarily looking at breeding them for the aquarium industry. Gotcha. Now, <laughs> whereas Project Dibs, we're, we're trying to figure out what can we breed and what and what can we add to the hobby that that can be captive bred. Of course, yes, yes. Now, for time's sake, I want to move on a little bit, and I know there's just so much to talk about, but. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. as as breeders go forward, what type of difficulties are they looking to face? I mean, if we get involved, I mean, I know we've talked about a lot of it already, but is there any any difficulties that we haven't really, you know, come you know come out and mentioned at this point? Yes, um, and that, the difficulties that breeders will face will really depend upon the invertebrates that they want to breed and their setup. Uh, you know, we we talked a little bit earlier about. Uh, how we have different invertebrates in the project, and some and to keep things rather simple, I've divided them into easy and difficult invertebrates. And easy invertebrates are ones that I think, with, with just minor changes to a display tank, that if you have the appropriate setup, they can be bred in a display tank. And all you really have to do is provide the appropriate food, uh, have good water conditions. And of course, a lack right. of predators. so this is a good and, setup. You know, lack of predators might lack of predators might be the most difficult thing because if, if you want to breed many brittle stars, there's some things that will eat them. You might already have it in your tanks. So then you have to, you know, your difficulty might be having to choose between breeding brittle stars or getting rid of your right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but all fairly easy. But if if people want to, and we encourage people to try difficult invertebrates. Um, you're going to be looking at some more difficulties. You're, you're going to have to look, you'll probably look at 
uh, probably having to have some specialized equipment or or a larvae tank or a grow out tank, um, and you might have to be worried about capturing larvae. And, and so the, the, the difficulties um, will be faced depending on what invertebrates people choose. And that's one of the things that I try to go through when we're registering a breeder is to find out what their tank is like, what their goals are, because you know, it's not my job to say, okay, we've got we've got 50 dibs turbos available. Why don't you breed right. those? That, that, that's not that, that's not what I'm looking to do. I'm going to say, okay, what are you interested in breeding? Because you know, people are you know, we have a, a wide variety of interests already on the forums, and, and people interested in breeding uh, cow. You know, I, I'm, I don't know if you're too familiar with cowries, but they're another type of snail that is not commonly available mm-hmm. captive bred. And, and but they're fabulous uh, algae eaters, and so we have some people interested in those and shrimp and uh, and corals and and it, it all depends on what they choose, and, and we try to help them out with that. Gotcha. Now, to kind of wrap things up a little bit, um, you know, we talked about the various different roles in the project and the various different ways that people can get involved. Now, what if there's people out there that really believe in the project, want to be involved in it, but can't fill one of the you know, the breeder, educator, or data miner roles is what other ways can people participate in helping support Project Dibs? Well, Rob, there's actually uh, several different ways people can, uh, people can help out. Uh, one is just spreading the word. If, if, you, if they're, if for whatever reason they can't participate as a breeder, but they're uh, talking to someone that says, oh, I really need to get some snails, and you say, oh, well, did you know that sometimes uh, they're captive bred, and you can actually breed those in your tank. Then people might be like, "Oh, that sounds pretty cool." Let's, you know, where did you hear about that? And I think the project is go to this website. And so word of mouth can really help. Or if you see project. somebody in a forum that's um, that's talking about something related to this, you can just point them over to the Project Dibs website and say, "Hey, that's good. You should go here for some information." And so on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, and um, because. One of the things we're looking for is there's bound to be a lot more people out there. They already have stuff breeding in their tank. They might not really think about it, you know, that they might not have noticed it before or they really haven't paid much attention to it. But we can get, you know, and hopefully it's a new species or something that we don't have a lot of in the project because we have a lot of people that are very interested in, in being breeders of various different species. And so, you know, Somebody that already has something in their tank, we want to know right. about that, and, and so pointing them to the to the website would be very helpful. Um, but you know, there's there's other things as well. Is in um, people can work on uh, suggesting possible partners or sponsors for the website that will uh, allow the project to grow even more. And that's and that's one thing. And I'll try to keep this short, Rob. But uh, partners are one way that can really help the project. Um, you know, I talked about Marsh earlier, and I, you know, talking reef. Hey, you, you <laughs> yeah, guys are a partner. We do what we and, can, and you help spread. You help spread the word, and and we really appreciate things like that. But I'm also talking about partners outside of the hobby. You know, I, I've partnered with the Galveston Bay uh, Watershed Academic Partnership, which is a group of people that are trying to educate people in the Houston area about the ocean that is right here in Galveston Bay, which is direct connected to the ocean and I've been working with uh, with Brent there and it's been fabulous because it's helped out with educational connections and there's bound to be other organizations out there that would be interested in being partners with Project Dibs and we can also provide some kind of benefit to them as well and and, um, and then lastly I, I uh, also would like to mention um, two, two other things, uh, premium membership, where, where people may not be uh, ready to be a breeder yet. You know, they're, they're designing their tank, or they're not in a position where they have a tank right now, but they might have in the future. But premium membership is one way for people to donate to Project Dibs, and they'll get some uh, extra website benefits and everything, but really it's a way to, to help with donations so that Project Dibs has more... Um, more ways to grow the project. 
and another thing is in 2007 is is we're working on selecting a, a high quality microscope that will be used in some of the more uh, difficult breeder challenges in the future. So we can watch uh, we can watch the the larvae develop and, and figure out what stages they're in. And because in, in some of the more difficult invertebrates, it's very uh, important. And so we're looking to get a high quality microscope, and so people might know of you know, their local university that has a, a, a microscope sitting around that they're not using anymore, but it could be very valuable to the project. So things like that, special equipment needs. Gotcha. And, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways. And like I said, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, if you, if you know of something that could benefit the project, just, you know, head over, get a hold of Brian or, or anyways, um, and help share that information or if you even if you know like you mentioned before with the educators if you're in a school system and you think this is a good idea and you want to find ways that you could do this in your school too or you know work on stuff like that and i think that's a little bit more in the distant future uh i don't know how distant exactly but uh uh definitely yeah that um we're yeah we're we're, we're doing our first experiment this spring and but we will be looking uh either in the fall or the spring of next year to do a coordinated project among multiple mm -hmm. schools. And so they, the, the beauty of it is we have the forums and we have a way to get all the schools connected so that it becomes a project not for just one classroom, but multiple classrooms. And I'm hoping to get schools from right. other states or, or maybe even <laughs> other countries, you know. And it could be a really exciting experience. And so if People know a high school science teacher that's looking for something something cool to do. <laughs> really exciting, really exciting and cool for his students, and that's something we'll be looking for. But again, that's a little bit on the horizon. But we're, yeah, we're and, I mean, there. besides stuff like that takes a lot of preparation. So, you know, if if that's your yeah. role and you know somebody or you are somebody that want, would like to to participate from an educator standpoint, then you know, get started now. <laughs> Yes, and just head over to the, the Project Ed's website and send me a PM, and, and we'll, we'll start a conversation. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Brian, again, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to come on and, and finally share all the information about Project Dibs. Uh, again, the website is projectdibs.com uh, for more information. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to throw in before we, we part ways? Oh, there's just one other thing. One other thing I'd like to cover, and that's just talking a little bit about how uh, reef clubs can really get involved oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Project Dibs, uh, it, because it's one of the most powerful things that um, can really help make Project Dibs run much more efficiently. Uh, and Marsh has been a huge help um, in that we can organize at our monthly meetings. Once I have new invertebrates in the project, I just go to my monthly meeting, which I always do, and... and connect up with all the local breeders and uh, get some stock to them. And then I get stock from them from stuff that's already been breeding. And, and it's even more important because while, uh, you know, we try to keep the, the price of our invertebrates, uh, you know, at a, at a low level, uh, you know, shipping is right. expensive, it, it, especially when you care very much about the animals that are in yeah. the shipment. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, it's not something we can overcome right now. But if we're shipping to, you know, 10 breeders that coordinate with a local reef club, it really, you know, the shipping becomes almost... Right, because you can ship it all as one shipment to the reef club, and then once there, they can distribute it, you know, just like a lot of reef clubs do yep. group buys from retailers or e-tailers. Exactly. And it's a way to make Project Gives much more efficient and allow it to grow that much faster. And so... Uh, that's also something I should mention is that I'm available to uh, go to reef clubs or or reef conferences and talk about project dibs and present so you can uh, you know get it from me in person and because that's where if if we really band together as a community there's a tremendous amount of potential I'm very <laughs> excited about it but uh, I, I will end. Okay. That. Well, again, like I said, thanks for thanks for taking the time to share this information, uh, and I can't wait for the the project to go on. And we'll, we'll we will have you back on, and we're going to be bringing 
the Talking Reef community and listeners some some special shows in the future regarding Project Dib. So make sure you stay tuned to that. So again, Brian, thanks, and best of luck to you and your project. Okay, thanks a lot, Rob. I appreciate it. Good talking to you. You too. Again, special thanks to Brian Plankus at this introduction uh, and his interview that he did with us on his featured article, uh, which is on uh, an introduction to Project Dibs. Uh, more information can be found at reefkeeping.com, and also information on Project Dibs can be found at projectdibs.com. And as usual, let's take a minute and go through a wrap-up of this month's issue of the Reefkeeping magazine. Of course, this month's reef slide, all on hermit crabs, some great photos. Make sure you check that out if you have any interest in hermit crabs at all or invertebrates like that. This month's Frag of the Month, the propagation section in Reefkeeping Magazine, is on propagation of colt and organ pipe corals by Greg Hiller. And as usual, Reefkeeping's got another beautiful tank of the month highlighted in this month's issue. Moving on to some of the regular columns, the Coral Mania section, an article by Eric Borman on the application of sand in the reef aquariums, theory and practice. This is a good article where Eric discusses the use of calcium carbonate-based sands to maintain calcium and alkalinity demands in a coral reef aquarium. A good article, make sure you check that out. Reef Alchemy column by Randy Holmes Farley, an article on ammonia in the reef aquarium. And this month's reef keeping top 10 list is top 10 worst days in your life as a reef keeper. So make sure you head over to reefkeeping.com, check out all the great topics that we just talked about and all the other information that's out there. And also make sure you head over to projectdibs.com and get all the information on the stuff that we just talked to Brian about. That's going to wrap up the show for this month. Thanks again. Talk to you all later.